You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. We look a little different here. We are not in the studio, um, as you can see. We have a... Who's that? Who's that over there? I'm back. Bell's here. Um, and I don't know if, if you care about sharing that sort of thing, but thankfully, Rod is all right. He's going to be all right. And mm-hmm. there was worry of potential cancer, and that worry is gone. So that was a bit scary, that whole thing. But, you know, I said that Belle would be back when she felt comfortable. And we got the, we talked about it, I think the end of this past week. So, you know, we're back. You know, I wish that we had like a much more positive week to go through and yeah. in terms of everything. But it's it's not too bad. It's not too bad, all, all things considered. Um, if you look at the Seahawks, I mean, I, you know, you love to be confident in your teams, but I didn't necessarily... <laughs> feel like you're going to go into Kansas City in December with how banged up you are and beat the Chiefs. I mean, it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too big of a blowout. It wasn't like uh, what Russell Wilson had to endure yesterday on Christmas against the Rams. Um, the Let's see. The Mariners are quiet. The Storm, quiet as well. The Sounders were busy uh, announcing their 2023 schedule as well as uh, making two selections in the 2023 MLS Super Draft. Um, it's just so funny that they added super to that. Um, let's see. It just feels unnecessary. But I just had to say that with some of the things that MLS does anyway. Uh, the Kraken had an up and down week. There's only two games to go over. And so it's tough to say week. Um, the rain lost a key member of their front office staff, the Seawolf, Sea Dragons and Sonics. Uh, yeah, I said that, you know, in case you haven't been watching, we added a Sonic segment that will get hopefully more info about in the coming months um, to the show. And then obviously we'll do star of the week uh, to finish things off. So with that being said, I can finally turn over (laughs) to someone and not start out sad. Uh, Well, let's go over that December 24th game against the chiefs. Yeah. So if many of you guys were watching, which I'm sure you were on Christmas Eve, the, uh, our Seattle Seahawks did unfortunately lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, a loss of 10 to 24. And it just never felt like they figured it out until the end there when we got luckily our first and only touchdown. But it was it was tough. And like you said, you want to have confidence in in your team. But Kansas City's at the top of their division and just at the top of the league. So yeah. it was it was a tough matchup. And I think I actually like the fight that we put up, um, at least towards the end there. And I, if I'm being quite honest, I thought that it could have been worse. Um, not sure what your take was there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at things, um, at least in the first half, it felt like you were hanging around because you went into this, uh, the first quarter was seven, nothing. Which is fine. I mean, you look at the halftime score, 17 to 3 isn't ideal. Um, third quarter, 
I, th- I think that second quarter kind of blew things away for you. Um, because if you look at it quarter by quarter, first quarter, seven, nothing, the third quarter, nobody scored in the fourth quarter. You both scored seven. Um, I, I would agree with you on that. See, this is great because we get bell back. I'm not talking to myself and bell knows what she's talking about. Um, if I look at things, second drive was a Kansas city. The first drive, you only let Kansas city go three plays. Great. You know, the first four punt, touchdown, punt, punt, touchdown, field goal. So you were, you were there, but just with how your offense was doing, punt the ball, you turn it over on downs, punt the ball, punt the ball. You have to keep putting that defense out there. Even before this year, that's just something in, in general. You don't want to do that in anything football, right? You want to keep putting your defense out there. Even in the Legion of Boom days, I didn't want to keep putting a defense out there because you're going to tire them out. You know, you're going to tire them out. But I would agree with you. You know, just like like you said, um, Kansas City, top of the league, top of their division. I, they've won their division like seven years in a row or something. Yeah. And, you know, it was so funny because I don't, I think we talked about it, you know, when the Tyreek Hill trade happened. But, um, you know, uh, oh, sorry. A bunch of people have predicted Kansas City to be, have them fall off. You know, Broncos are supposed to be great. The Raiders were going to be in there with Devontae Adams trade. Um, Chargers with Justin Herbert. You know, it, on paper, everybody looked great. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're 12-3. and three. They're 6-1 and one at home. Uh, they've Isaiah Pacheco has been uh, productive for them. Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey. Travis, exactly. <laughs> that was something I was worried about. You know, I know that we have a poor rush uh, defense. I mean, we didn't give up. We gave up 77 yards on the ground, uh, which was fine. But yeah, Travis Kelsey started to get going, had a 52 yarder. Uh, the one I had picked up Kadarius Tony in fantasy and he hadn't done anything. And of course against us, he scores. Um, <laughs> they're just a, the really well-rounded team and they have been, you know, at least in the rush defense, there was some talk that, you know, we got Ken Walker back, which was fine. He had a hundred yard game. Um, we'll get to offensive and defensive players game in a second. But I mean, for that first half, it was like dead silent. And he did talk about it. He was like, I wasn't as decisive as I should have been in the first half running the football. Um, there was talk though, that this Kansas city run defense, you could, you could exploit that. They've got like a top 10 run defense statistically. And if you just look at some of the guys like Chris Jones, Chris Jones in the middle, Nick Bolton played great. He had seven total tack, 17 total tackles, not seven. Um, they've got a good defense too. And I know the Chiefs, you know, when you think about Kansas City, you think about their offense. Um, they're just a well-rounded football team. And, you know, when we get to injury news as well, you know, there's there's injuries are stacking up. You didn't have Tyler Lockett. And if you look at the third down numbers, your third down was horrible. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, from that point when this team was six and three, um, first in the division playoff spot seemed like, Hey, what is going on? Um, it, it's, it's tough, you know, because early on Jamal Adams went out, Ryan Neal was out for this game. Um, let's see Rashad Penny. It's so wild because, you know, we had Ken Walker's had his streak and I, you completely kind of forget about Rashad Penny in the streak of the season. Um, the Eskridge, who knows what's going on with him? Uh, I think he's on IR still. So there's there's a bunch of things, um, in terms of being banged up. But at the end of the day, like you said, Kansas City's just one of the best teams in the league, simply put. You know, and I don't like to think that way because technically, if you win your next two games and some other stuff happens, you could find a playoff spot, which would be a crazy ending, and you could still have a top ten pick, let alone top five. 
Um, but I'm okay with it. If this is how it ends and you just kind of deal with it, I'd consider this overall like success. Again, you don't want to put, you know, I don't want to raise the white flag right now, but I'm okay with what's happened with this team. You know, Geno Smith, give him a two to three year deal. I don't want to commit past three years. Um, but you look at the rookie class, right, with the offensive tackles on both sides, uh, Kenneth Walker, Tariq Woolen, obviously, Kobe Bryant's been solid. Um, I feel like there's more here, which is incredible, right? Because that's a bunch of starters. Um, yeah. I, I think this is this is solid for where we're at with this team. I think you do need to add some stuff defensively. Um, the rush defense being as poor to, as, it, as it has been. And even just some of those guys um, in pass defense, like Mike Jackson, cool name, sure. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I want him as a starting quarter corner in 2023. Cody Barton, uh, I don't mean to, to bad word on him because he's your defensive player of the game. But um, I don't know if I want him as my other middle linebacker in this 3-4 defense. You know, so again, this is all stuff to look at in the offseason. We still got two games to play, and they're two important games against the Jets team that has a great defense and, you know, fear Mike White or whatever. And the Rams, who seem to have found second life with Baker Mayfield, who seem to be rejuvenating his career, which I, uh, they're going to have to make State Farm ads or whatever <laughs> in L.A., you know, revive that. Um so it's 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 an interesting place to be in, but just to stop my word vomit, you put it, but well, Kansas City is just one of the best teams in the league, simply put. Yeah, I think it was tough just to think about who the matchup was, and then of course to think about what's on what's on the line here for the playoffs. And I actually, as you said, that we have to win the next two games. I also just realized that we were wrong, and by we, I'll admit that I was wrong, and Pete Carroll was wrong that we would be winning 10 games this season because now (laughs) that's not achievable anymore. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's just, it's, it was tough and you just hope that they can pick it up against the jets. And like you said, the other chips can fall as they need for them to still make the playoffs and hopefully have Tyler Lockett back for the playoffs. So um, we'll go on to offensive players of the game here. I went with DK Metcalf who had seven catches for 81 yards and an 11.6 average, which in the way I made sense of this was you're averaging at least a first down. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then no one, I mean, it took so long for our offense just to pick up and I felt like it was a little too predictable. Um, and it, it, Gino needed to pass a lot more in order for it to kind of be surprising and the chiefs not know where the ball was going every time. So I'll let you move on to your pick here. I mean, that makes sense. You know, just looking at it with DK, like um, if you look at that, we go back to that photo here. I think that photo was actually the one where he had his second foot out of bounds. uh, And it was like, oh, that would have been a great score right there and would have put us on the board pretty early. Maybe you keep yourself in that game more. Unfortunate. I thought he had some some good looks. Um, I thought he was productive. So I I understand going with DK there. Uh, Ken Walker, we talked about it um, in my little spiel. Um, but you know, he, it was great to have him back, you know, in the second half, he was running the ball. Well, he was breaking off a couple. I think he had, uh, his long was like 20, yep. 20 yards, 4.1 average is pretty solid. Excuse me. Um, DJ Dallas got some touches, meh. um, but it, 
he, he continues to be a productive runner of the football. And it's again, when I look at next year and I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to close the door on the 2022 Seahawks. Um, it's just like having foundational pieces that aren't like necessarily, Oh, I know I'm only going to have him for so-and-so or he's only got a limited ceiling. It's, it's exciting to think about, you know, and I don't want to crown anybody. Like people are like with, with so many guys, I've seen it. Like with Thomas Rawls a few years ago, people were like, he's the next beast mode. And then the dude fizzles out. You know, you don't want to say stuff like that. Like I'll, I'll wait till a dude is established and then we'll get there. You know, uh, like with Tariq Wolna, like baby Sherm. I'm like, let's calm down. Let's have the, you know, the last yeah. thing I want is like a guy to have a great year and then fizzle out. So can in the second, second half, he said it um, after the game, he said he was more decisive um and he was you know he looked like he was there were a bunch of times it was funny where seattle would run the football like up the gut or between the tackles and they'd get great yardage and i'm like okay it's kind of weird you know chris jones is chris jones one of the best defensive tackles in the league um you think they'd be stopped um going outside just nothing anything like stretch play or toss nothing um so it was kind of interesting to see that um but yeah, Ken Walker just continues to be an exciting player to watch. And it'll be great to have him in this offense for years to come, you know, hopefully, right? No bad things considered. All right, let's move on to our defensive players of the game here. I went with the guy you just pooped on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little Martin. bit. Um, eight total tackles, four solo, four assisted. I thought that for how well McKinnon and um, Pacheco play their role, I think I thought it was okay, like an okay defensive effort. So I just it's it's hard to try to pinpoint good areas where our defense did magnificent. Um, I think that they stayed in the game, but I do think that Cody Barton needs to, if he wants to maintain that position um he needs to get a lot more comfortable in the role and of course he has big shoes to fill but i would like to see more more from him too and you know at least with it's not like he's like super old and he's just like getting into this role now um so that's not why i feel the way that i do it's just he's been on this roster for a good amount of time like when, when bobby wagner would get hurt before jordan brooks was on the team it was like okay cody barton steps in and yeah. my frustration is that you've been like if i look i look i look right now um it's like you've been on this roster long enough like you've been waiting in the rings you uh, you've learned from bobby wagner who continues yeah. to be effective and he was yesterday um it's like i would i just hope i would he's 26 which is pretty solid um he's only he's only been in the league for like three years um i just expect a better product and part of my notes here was like there are too many the tackling still is really poor with this team yes. um and we're talking about remind me what week we're in right like this cannot continue to happen the Seahawks used to put out tackling videos on YouTube about the way that they tackle. They, they call it like a rugby style tackle, which I, I had to watch the video again. But, you know, since we covered the Seawolves, I'm like, what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> it's 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 just uh, and it's not just all on him. Like you like you've got him here. Whenever we do the notes and whenever I look at the stats for this stuff, he's usually at the top of the list of tackles, which is great. Solid. You're around the ball. Um, yeah. I just. Maybe I'm looking for more of an it factor. I don't know. I just he's he's been productive to an extent. I just I don't know if I want 
him and Brooks as the top as the middle linebacker pairing going into next year where you can go in this offseason and you're going to have a top pick and another pick in the first round, the middle of the first round, and you can add talent. I don't know if I want that. I don't, maybe I want someone else. Maybe that's it. I could be proven wrong. We've all been proven wrong before, but that's just how I feel about um, Cody Barton. So, um, And there wasn't necessarily too many standouts from this game defensively. I went with, I always look for the stat stuffers. I went with Daryl yeah. Taylor, four total tackles, three solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, one QB hit. Staying in the sort of front seven sort of realm, I went with Taylor. Um, he, he's had on and off weeks this year, and a lot of the younger pass rushers have. Boye Mafe, I think the one time I noticed him this game, he got like a encroachment penalty. I was like, come on, man. You got to make more use of your snaps. You know what I mean? Uh, he, we've come a long way since people got angry at you about his name in the comments from the draft. Um, you know, he Daryl Taylor is a guy that uh, what came out of Tennessee his first year. Uh, I think he messed up his, his like femur or something really bad. His leg couldn't play. There's talent on this D line, but I still think at the end of the day, you're going to need to add more in the off season. Yeah. And whether that be via the draft, I know that some people have talked about um, Alabama's Will Anderson through like linebacker stuff, or uh, there's the, defensive lineman from Georgia, but I've seen some mocks, seen him taken second and we, I think hold third right now. Um, mm-hmm. However, that may be, I think you need to add the line. Like that's a priority um, or defense in general. I think offense to an extent, you're pretty good. Like your tackles are good. Maybe a center, your offensive guards have been okay. Um, but Gabe Jackson's getting up there. Do you get rid of him? And you've had him splitting time with Phil Haynes already. Um, Damian Lewis has been pretty solid, but kind of dropped in production. Um, maybe you go for the cheaper option, the younger option. I don't know. But I think point being defense is where I'd like to focus in the offseason. I think your offense is pretty, pretty solid. I mean, maybe a third receiver because is Marquise Goodwin going to come back? Do you bet on Dwayne Eskridge? Please don't bet on Dwayne Eskridge. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, I, 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 you know, both of those guys we've got here for defensive player of the game, I think pretty solid. Um, but I, I think that to kind of stick with the general game points, you got to add more defense in the off season. Yeah, there's definitely room for improvement. And as you say, game points, we do have some of those here. So I thought the run game was okay for or the Seahawks held the run game. Okay. As I mentioned, McKinnon and Pacheco didn't score the touchdown, any of the rushing touchdowns. Any rushing touchdowns? Did Mahomes get one? I think he might have. That, yeah, that one where he put his hand on the ground and it was a highlight. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, McKinnon got a passing touchdown. So I think they held the running backs okay. And they did hold Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City to under 300 yards. But of course, being ice cold on offense doesn't, I mean, that doesn't help. I thought going into it with it being so close in the first half and in the first quarter that it might actually be a shootout like most of the games that Kansas City takes part in. So, yeah, could have been better. But now the Seahawks have lost five of their last six games. So not ideal. Yeah, I mean, just the first half um, couldn't get much going. And I think, yeah, that last drive that Seattle got the field goal off of was basically off of uh, penalties that Kansas City committed just being done. Like there's a hands to the face. Um, 
there's a bunch of other stuff where it's like you took advantage of that and you really did call it a penalty drive which was it's accurate you know but it felt like you started to get going there um but as as we talked about in the defensive play of the game stuff poor tackling just was too present for me um and there was no blocking i mean all game i think geno smith went down in the third quarter because he got the wind knock out of him because he landed on the ball it just felt like kansas city was getting pressure 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 and they've got talent on that d line you know former seahawk uh carlos dunlap's on that team um so but i just felt like the last few games your offensive line's been playing worse than it should be you know, mm-hmm. so it's just kind of the same stuff we've been hammering. And that's where my frustration gets with this team. It's like oftentimes with the Seahawks, it's like stuff that's present. Uh, and you'd think we're like, okay, we can't, uh, we have to get the ball out quicker. And then we don't get the ball out quicker. It's like something, stuff, stuff like that's been present since Russell Wilson. And I don't know how much of that is coaching, how much of it was Russell Wilson. Um, yada, yada, yada. It's like when you see these adjustments that need to be made and they're just sitting there like taunting you, it's frustrating. And that's what gets frustrating for me is like with the tackling. Do you need to change the way you tackle? Do you need better personnel there to tackle better? And it's, that's where my frustration lies in a lot of the ways with this team. And it's why like, uh, you know, even if the Seahawks make the playoffs, I don't feel super confident you're going anywhere. So that's my piece. <laughs> and as you mentioned, they are a little beat up right now. So our injury news for that game, wide receiver Tyler Lockett underwent successful surgery and has a chance to return as soon as week 17 against the Jets. That's this coming week. Lockett says the doc says it went perfect. So we hope to see him on the field. I think if you want a chance to win these next two games, you definitely want to see him on the field. Um, and hopefully, yeah, that does lead us into the playoffs. But also inactives against the Chiefs were Jake Curran, Wayne Gallman Jr., Tyler Lockett, of course, Al Woods, Davion Nixon, Artie Burns, and Ryan Neal. And then there were some injuries sustained during the game. In the first quarter, Joey Blunt was out for the remainder of the game with a knee injury. Um, Pete Carroll did provide an update. It was a kneecap issue. Running back Travis Homer was questionable to return with an ankle injury. He sprained his ankle. In the third quarter, Marquise Goodwin was questionable to return with a wrist injury. Pete Carroll also gave an update and said that he has been nursing a wrist injury and just happened to jam it again. And Abraham Lucas was questionable to return with a thigh injury, which he aggravated. He was questionable to return with a thigh injury, but aggravated an elbow. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Pete <laughs> Carroll injury updates are always kind of funny. It's like, mm, um, wrong body part. <laughs> Yeah, maybe there. I always try to keep track of the wit the Seahawks PR puts out. And first, I saw a thigh, and then when they did the updates, it was like elbow. It's like, hmm, okay. okay. I think point being was that they took him out of the game as a precautionary thing, and they didn't want him to mess it up further. So it sucks, but I'm just hoping that isn't something that affects him long term. You know. Yeah. So that's tough because you go into the game with a, quite a bit of guys out, and then you also sustain injuries during the game. So just not a good game overall. Um, We'll close the book on that one unless you have something else to say in regards to the game. Okay. We'll move on to some team notes here. There were roster moves that took place within the week. On December 20th, they signed Laquan Treadwell to the active roster, placed Brian Move on injured reserved, added Jared Hewitt to the practice squad. 
on the 21st, the team waived Tony Jones Jr. and they signed Davian Nixon. On the 24th, the team elevated RB slash kick returner Godwin Igubuki and right, running back Wayne Galman Jr. from practice squad. And that about covers our ra- roster moves for the week. Anything notable that you want to point out here? Uh, well, you talked about the Tony Jones Jr. thing. Kind of sucks that you know he got his time in the spotlight against the Rams and now he's gone. But I mean, if yeah. you look at you know, sucks to have Monet on injured reserve. But you look at the 20th and the 21st with adding Gerard Hewitt to the practice squad and Davion Nixon, 2D tackles, right? So, and even uh, there was a thing that showed the workout Seattle had with different players. There's a lot of D linemen. So it's like they're looking for help. So, it, um, God, we've been talking Seahawks a long time. We got Pro Bowl stuff to do too. <laughs> we <laughs> like, do. Oh, so we'll, let's dive right into that Pro Bowl news. On the 21st, four Seahawks were named to the 2022 Pro Bowl games, our first being QB Geno Smith. It's his first Pro Bowl. Through Week 15, Smith leads the NFL in completions percentage with 71.4, ranks second in passer rating 105.3, fourth in touchdown passes with 26, sixth in completions with 337, and seventh in passing yards with 3,671. Smith's nine games with a 100 or better passer rating and nine games with multiple touchdown passes are both league highs. He was named NFC Offensive Player of the Month for October and NFC Offensive Player of the Week in Week 4. And now for the first time in his 10-year career, he is a pro bowler as well. So congratulations to Gino. Of course, we've liked seeing his success and we hope to see more of it in these next couple of games. Hopefully. <laughs> um, Tariq Woolen was also named to the Pro Bowl. He makes the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Woolen's six interceptions are tied for the most in the NFL and lead all cornerbacks league-wide, and his 13 passes defensed are tied for third most in the league. He recorded an interception in four consecutive games from Week 3 to Week 6, including one he returned 40 yards for a touchdown in in the Week 4 win in Detroit. Woolen also has two fumble recoveries, as well as a blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown by fellow cornerback Mike Jackson. Woolen was named the NFL's Defensive Rookie of the Month in October and was named NFC Defensive Rookie of the Week for his play in Week 6. Also named to the Pro Bowl was Quandre Diggs for his third Pro Bowl and Jason Myers for his second Pro Bowl. Myers, who was 26 for 27 on field goal attempts this season, included 6 for 6 from 50-plus yards, leads the NFL kickers in field goal percentage, and last week he tied Stephen Hoshka's club record for the most field goals of 50 or more yards in a season. Pro Bowl alternates were also named. We have wide receiver Tyler Lockett, wide receiver DK Metcalf, Jordan Brooks, Uchenna Nwosu, Nick Ballor, and Michael Dixon. What? Um, and we'll move on to some league news here. On the 21st, NFL legend former Seahawk Franco Harris passes away at 72 years of age. Um, sure, that's hopefully not news. Um, he has been in the talks for, I think, all of the games this week where they've at least honored a memory of him. So, unfortunate news. Um, so, yeah, just... Rest in peace to Franco Harris. On the 22nd, two teams checked in on Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski happened to tweet that he was (laughs) kind of bored and actually got some traction from it. 
he had a couple of teams reach out and see if he would, the tight end was still interested in coming back to the league. What do you think? Do we think Rob makes an appearance back? <laughs> I think there was something he did that. And then I think later in the day, it was like some sponsorship deal. It's like, okay, Rob, you know, well, and then it's interesting because he did that. And then I read a report that he did um, contact the Buccaneers about a return. And it was like, he's reached out to them two times this year, I guess. And I was like, okay, like he figure it out, dude. Uh, yeah. And it's like, so you say that you, you tweet that thing about being bored. And then there's that news about that. So it's like you, Tom, figure it out, you know, do whatever you're going to do. But it's just like, well, I guess, I guess this is how people felt when Britt Favre did the retire and retire thing. Figure it <laughs> out, figure it out. Let us know. Okay, we'll move on here. The NFL confirms a YouTube TV deal. So the league did announce a multi-year agreement with Google-owned company for exclusive rights to NFL Sunday Ticket. Currently, they are with DirecTV. So a slight change to next season. We will now see it on YouTube TV. Um, on December 23rd, the Cardinals, Murray, and Kingsbury drifting apart. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury are divided on issues and have grown increasingly distant during the season. Of course, the Cardinals are experiencing a losing season right now, so that's probably causing tension, but who knows how deep the issues go there for them. On the 24th, the Jets are likely done with Zach Wilson. New York has lost all confidence in the former number two overall pick, expected to part ways with him after the season. Is he playing this weekend? No, I don't believe so. I think um, I joked about Mike White in the uh game segment but i think i think that's what they're doing and i don't think i think i also read before that they cleared mike white uh medically that they would find someone else um to start not zach wilson it was like oof that's that's bad uh if we had more time to talk about it i would i would make fun of zach wilson uh because he made some comments in byu but no it's just kind of funny to see the way that that's taken uh it's turned you know hope it will necessarily but it's it's not a good situation right now and probably going to end up somewhere else. That's unfortunate for Zach Wilson. <laughs> um, we move back to our Seahawks here. They currently hold a record of 7-8. Their standing is second in the NFC West, but they are still considered in the hunt for the playoffs. A couple of things have to happen over the next couple of weeks in order for us to see a playoff spot. The Seahawks win and a commander's loss in week 17 and Packers loss in week 16 or 17 automatically put Seattle back into the number seven spot. Next game will be on the first versus the New York Jets with a 105 PM start time. Kind of weird that you have to, well, I think first things first for them is to win the next two games, you know, and it's like, take care of that yeah. and then worry about the rest. Um, but yeah, it's like this team needs to lose, and this team is like, yeah, just win your next two games and go from there. So, uh, nothing really Mariners directly related. Um, the is there is some stuff league related news wise. Um, uh, you know, there's the talk about the Mariners missing out. Um, few signings that took place. Uh, outfielder Will Myers signed a one-year $7.5 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. And outfielder Michael Conforto, a Redmond native, signed a two-year $36 million deal with the San Francisco Giants. Um, in addition to that, so two guys that 
were looked at as potential targets for the Mariners. One lands in Cincinnati for a deal that Seattle likely could have taken. Uh, Conforto, two years, $36 million, especially coming off of an injury <laughs> last year. I can get the skepticism. Uh, would have been nice to see the you know uh, local guy return home, but I digress. Um, relief pitcher Craig Kimbrell also signed a one-year $10 million deal with the reigning National League champs, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. So, Again, I'll give my spiel that I've said about the Mariners the last few weeks. Though the, the Myers signing, I'd be a little bit annoyed about. Um, but I've talked about it with a few people over the weekend, you know, with the Mariners being quiet in free agency. They got a comment about it last week where they talked about Robbie Ray. I was like, that's fine, you know, with that signing and the Nori Aoki signing being a one year, five year. Point being is that that Aoki signing is one of the, one of only a few free agent signings that's been prominent in the Jerry DePoto era. It's interesting to see the way that this plays out and I get being frustrated about it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, some of these moves that have taken place, we didn't expect to pan out. I mean, again, did you see a guy like Paul Seawald being as productive as he's been seeing a guy like Chris Flex and getting as many innings as he had for this Mariners team? So I'm sure DePoto will come up with something. Maybe he's working on another trade right now. Again, I didn't expect the Teoscar Hernandez trade or the Colt, well, Colton Wong we did kind of see. Um, or uh, Here's a great example of one that happened while Bell and I were doing an episode was the Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez trade. No, no whispers about that before it happened. So I, I this team still can add. I mean, there's still stuff, you guys, you can sign, trades that could be made. I mean, we're in December, right? Pitchers and catchers don't report until February. So stuff could happen. But I'm not, again, I'm not going to hit the red panic button at this point in time. There have also been reports that the Mariners are saving up to splash on Shohei Otani next year. I don't know if I buy that, but if if that happens, then I'm sure when that will happen, everybody will be like, oh, such a great move. Uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm not, it, there's a lot of people hitting the panic button, and I'm not that worried. Um, anyway. On December 22nd, MLB reinstated Trevor Bauer. The Dodgers pitcher's suspension is reduced to 194 games following appeal. So Bauer um, is still, the Dodgers have a decision to make about whether or not they will bring him back. The Carlos Correa saga continues. If you saw anything with Carlos Correa, um, was supposed to sign this big deal with the Giants. Uh, The Giants had an injury concern about him over the long-term stability of his leg that, uh, he suffered a leg injury in 2014. That deal eventually was cut off. And then the same night at like midnight Pacific time, he signed a deal uh, around the same amount of money with the Mets. The Mets now have questions about Correa's physical, uh, stating that they have concerns about his repaired lower right leg that the Giants had. The Mets are still, though, optimistic on Correa's deal. And there uh, is hope that remains that the Mets and Correa can work out a deal after the team mentioned an issue with his physical. So... Could a second deal fall out with Carlos Correa? I have no idea. It's just kind of, I've not seen something like that before. It's pretty odd. So I would throw it to you for Storm, but there's nothing in the Storm department. So, excuse me, we will head over to our Sounders here. Um, Oops, I completely flipped the sides in our thing. Anyway, I can find them. Uh, so the 2023 Seattle Sounders schedule has released. We finally, I was finally able to put it in our schedule and our calendar. Um, and we know 
We know that the Club World Cup will take place from February 1st through 11th in Morocco. So the nice little tournament for the Sounders to sort of get into underway. And uh, we talked about it last week. I believe I don't expect them to do too much in that um, uh, tournament, but it'll still be pretty cool to see them in a tournament with some of the best clubs in the world. Um MLS season, though, starts on February 26th. So we'll go into the beginning of the month, the beginning of the month, beginning of the season here. Uh, February 26th versus the Colorado Rapids is the opening game at home at 5 o'clock. March, four fixtures in March. Uh, March 4th versus Real Salt Lake at 7.30 p.m. March 11th at FC Cincinnati at 4.30 p.m. Uh, March 18th, returning home to fight LAFC at noon. As you can see, we have an LAFC photo um, on the screen here. March 25th, well, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see anything. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> March 25th at Sporting Kansas City at 5.30. We then head over to the month of April. Uh, April 1st at the LA Galaxy at 4.30 p.m. start. April 8th versus St. Louis City SC. This is the first uh, time that Seattle will face the league's newest expansion team uh, at 7.30 p.m. here in Seattle. April 15th at the Portland Timbers at 7.30. So Seattle gets their first shot at the rivals to the south um, on the road. They do that. On April 22nd, they play Minnesota United SC at 7.30 here at home and then heading back. See, very, very much uh, home away, home away. Very interesting. Um, April 29th at Real Salt Lake is a 6.30 p.m. start. We then head into the month of May. Um, still continuing with that home and away. May 7th mm-hmm. versus Sporting KC at 1.30. May 13th at Houston Dynamo, 5.30. May 17th versus Austin FC at 7.30. May 20th at the Vancouver Whitecaps at 7.30. May 27th versus New York Red Bulls at 7.30. So Seattle plays Red Bulls for the first time in what feels like a while. Uh, May 31st versus the San Jose Earthquakes at 7.30. We head into my birthday month of June. June 3rd versus the Portland Timbers at 1.30. So hoping that one at home is better than what happened in the game uh, that you see in the photo there taken by Liv Lyons. June 10th at Charlotte FC at 4.30. So Seattle will head down to Charlotte for the first time in their MLS existence. Uh, June 21st at LAFC at 7.30. And then June 24th versus Orlando City SC at 7.30. Uh, July, we head into July, July 1st versus the Houston Dynamo at 7.30 at home, July 8th at the Vancouver Whitecaps at 7.30, July 12th at San Jose Earthquakes at 7.30, and then July 15th versus FC Dallas at 7.30. If I'm going too fast or you want to look at some of these months in particular, please feel free to pause. Um, You're in August. You just went over July. There we go. (laughs) Oh, no, I flipped them. Uh, well, there's July. I'm going to give people a second for that. God mm-hmm. damn it. We still have issues, folks. Um, I guess you can look at this now. August uh, 20th, you see a little break there. We go from July 15th is the last game in July, and then August 20th is the first game in August. So the 20th versus Atlanta United FC at 730. August 27th at Minnesota United SC at 1.30, and then uh, August 30th at Austin FC at 5.30. Thank you for pointing that out. I would have had no idea. Um, (laughs) Make sure this is September. Yep, September 2nd versus Portland Timbers at 7.30. So Seattle gets two games at home versus Portland. Um, September 16th at FC Dallas at 5.30. September 20th at the Colorado Rapids at 6.30. And then September 30th at Nashville SC at 5.30 p.m. October, we go to the month of October here uh, to wrap things up. Only three fixtures in October. Uh, The fourth versus the LA Galaxy at 7.30. 
the 7th, which is the last home match of the regular season versus the Vancouver Whitecaps at 7.30. And then Seattle's last game of the regular season ends um, on the road at the on October 21st at St. Louis SC with a time to be determined. Um, usually decision day, the last day of the season is always at the same time. Uh, so I expect that to be the same, but maybe MLS changes it. But interesting that Seattle has to end the season um, on the road there. So not too much I want to look at necessarily right now, uh, partially because we spent 30 minutes on the Seahawks. Um, but, I mean, it's it's going to be – I've talked about it all off offseason. Uh, this is a big offseason for the Sounders to sort of retool, to add, and to look to start a new playoff streak, You know, to have your playoff streak end this year, this past year, winning CCL. Um, you're going to get Jao Paulo back from injury. Uh, you see playing some teams you haven't played uh, in either in a bit or ever in terms of St. Louis SC. So, um, and then that break from the 15th of July through the 20th of August. So uh, nice to finally get a schedule update. I hate having to wait for schedules. So we go over to the super draft here uh, on the 21st of December. Um, the club held the number nine overall pick in the draft and thought maybe they'd go with um, maybe they'd taken this pick, but this seems to be a Seattle thing where they trade out of top picks. Um, Seattle traded the number nine overall pick to St. Louis city SC for $175,000 in general allocation money for 2023, uh, as well as St. Louis's third round pick and number 59 overall. So in terms of actual picks that the team made, Oh God, this one's going to be fun. I did look up how to say his name. So you'll have fun with this. Uh, so round two, pick number 38, Ethor uh, Bjorgolfsson is how I heard it on the uh, highlights. So Bjorgolfsson, I'm sure I'll get comments about it. Please feel free to correct me. Um, out of the University of Kentucky, 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 he's a 6'3 forward, 195 pounds. His accolade list is pretty nice. Uh, in 2021, the CUSA tournament champion, uh, CUSA tournament offensive MVP, CUSA all tournament team, uh, SEC fall academic honor roll. In 2020, all CUSA third team, CUSA commissioners honor roll, um, as well as C, yes. SEC Fall Academic Honor Roll. He earned the CUSA Offensive Player of the Week on March 16, 2021. And 2019 was the CUSA All-Freshman Team. So he's made some rounds. Uh, in 2021, he appeared in 14 matches, earning seven starts, finished the year with 11 points off of five goals and one assist, tying for the team lead with five goals. He spent uh, his last year in 2022 with the Vermont Green FC in the USL League, um, being relatively productive down there. So... Uh, I think I don't know why I did my Kermit voice. He's it's an interesting pick. I don't with both of these selections. Seattle made two selections in the super draft. I don't expect them. Um, I'm out of focus. There we go to spend too much time with the first team at all. Um, maybe here and there is in a bench role or if they get banged up injury wise, like the Sounders did this past season, we will. But I highly expect them to spend time with the coma defiance uh, down at Starfire. Uh, Bjorgelsen. I know that the Sounders are targeting a backup forward uh, since they let Wolf Bruin go in a free agency, but they said they want a veteran. So I don't expect them to take first year guy and throw him in there. Uh, but he's, I mean, to have that size and forward and to be able to make plays like he did and score like he did could be, uh, if, if, if developed correctly, could be an interesting forward up at the top for the Sounders uh, for years to come. People were upset that they traded Sam Adenirin last week. Um, 
was a kind of a big, he was more of a, uh, a winger. Um, St. Louis looked at him as a striker, but he's more of a winger. Um, interesting to see kind of trade one guy away, bring in Brogelson. Maybe he fills that role. Uh, with that 59th overall pick that the Sounders traded for uh, when they got the allocation money and they sent their number nine overall pick to St. Louis, they selected Blake Bowen out of the San, out of the out of San Diego State University he's a defender uh, he a couple of awards for him United soccer coaches all far west region third team and 22 also in 22 all pac 12 second team uh, being named an all pac 12 honorable mention in 20 and 21 in 21 he started in 15 games while appearing in all 17 all three of his goals were game winners interesting with Bowen he's listed on the San Diego State website as a midfielder and when he was selected he was listed as a defender so maybe Seattle's looking to use him more as an outside back um, mm-hmm. like they have with Alex Roldan kind of in a way like knew who um, like a Brad Smith I swear I think like kind of having him be you know play the defense role but also being able to come up with the ball um, he is I would say undersized, but I'm not that tall. He's five nine, um, so it's an interesting pick. I like. I'm okay with both of these picks. I, I have more confidence in terms of Bjorgovson, um, but I think they're solid for what they are. Uh, Craig Weibel said that they like the talent that both of these guys bring, um, but I think that uh, I, I don't see either of them spending much time with the first team uh, in 2023. So that's that for Sounders news. Now we head over to our Kraken, who played two games over the past week. One pretty good. One, uh, I'd use better words. Could have been better. <laughs> yeah. On December 20th, our Kraken faced the St. Louis Blues. <sighs> they won 5-2. to two. Our player of the game is forward Brandon Tanev with one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus, two shots, two hits, three blocks, and one takeaway. He really stuffed the stat sheet there. On the 22nd at the Vancouver Canucks, that was a brutal loss and a heartbreaker, 5-6 to six in a shootout. Our player of the game there was Daniel Sprong with two goals, two points, a two plus minus, and four shots. So I know you've continued to talk about just like the defense needing to step up. Is that... Is that what happened here with our loss? Oh, boy, Bell. I talk about it um, <laughs> about how if we had the technology, right, I'd sit here and we'd circle them. Our buddies over at Emerald City Hockey have done just that. Um, we don't have a board for it, but they have photos with big red circles to highlight where the issues were. So, you know, just to look really quickly at that Blues game, that was really solid. The Blues, um, they're kind of underwhelming this year i mean they've got a lot of talent in that roster and they came into that game on the second day of a back-to-back and without jordan Cairo, one of their better players so you, you kind of jumped on them uh at an opportune time right uh but it was a good game to sort of get that offensive sort of flow there defense played well for the most part it, w- it was pretty solid i'm happy with that um and they sent a fan so I'm happy before the Christmas break with only one game to go, and that one being this Vancouver game. This Vancouver game, in case you're not aware, maybe you saw it in our tweets, Seattle has not beat the Canucks ever. Ever. Despite the fact that, I mean, Vancouver had a, a solid end of the year last year with Bruce Boudreau uh, as their head coach. This year they suck. They started the year with, like, they lost their first seven games. We were their first win, which is bad. Oh. Um 
And we could look at their, they're, they're bad. They're just generally bad. They're going to trade a bunch of players at the deadline. I imagine, um, I mean, there's a lot of them in talks, so I imagine they get traded, but some deadlines are quieter than others, right? <sighs> People, I just, it's horrible to look at social media because everybody points to the goaltending and in soccer too. If it's, it's like in both of those sports, if you hear a lot about the goaltender or the goalkeeper, it's usually a bad thing. If you don't, you know, it's like, oh, they're doing their job. There's been a lot of criticism. Well, we talked about this week by week. It feels like there's been a lot of criticism of Philip Grubauer. Uh, Martin Jones was the one who started this game in net. Uh, he's actually a Vancouver native, so I understand. I, I'm sure that's why he did. Um, but uh, there were some goals where I, I wanted Martin to be better um, in this game. But if there's there's four that Emerald City Hockey took and they circled. Um, how the Vancouver player is left wide open, just unmarked. Like, oh, how did he get there? You know, it's just like some of those games. I think it even happened um, in the Seahawks game where like Travis Kelsey was running but booty naked down the field. And it's like, yeah. did somebody forget about him? Um, let's look at this first one. You see what the issue is here? You see how there's three cracking defensemen all lined up and, and see how difficult as a, a goalie that is for you right now, you're, you're left out yeah. to dry. That's, that's number one. Okay. This isn't goal by order, but there's, there's four examples here. So okay. just take a look at that and tell me if you'd blame the goalie there. No. Number two, this is a tip in goal here. Elias Patterson had a great game. He had five points in this game, but considering the fact that you're not supposed to allow as a defenseman, you see the defenseman right there to Jones mm-hmm. is right. You're right not there. supposed to allow him to be screened by other players. What, what's going on he's, he's uh you can see further down uh more towards the top middle of the image there there's a vancouver player who would get that shot up so Pedersen could tip it in and there's a goal there you know yep. he's he's just completely left alone he should be that defenseman there should be bullying him should be trying to keep him away from screening jones there's an issue number two number three what are we doing oh god what are we doing there's three kraken defenders uh we're no. just skaters right there and then right there, Jones is, he's like, paint me like one of your French girls in Titanic <laughs> laying out there all sprawled out. He's having a beach day. No. And he, all he has to do is just chip that puck in. Right. I don't even oh, need to talk about that too one. Too easy. And then we look at four. Same sort of situation. Jones is sprawled out right here. There's two Kraken skaters up above him. He's just gotten in. He's leaked through. He snuck past to get into the pantry to get to the Chiefs puffs. It's, it's, you know. Okay, we need to go through it again. It's like one, two, three, four. Seattle I Blues. I hate three. Two. I really hate number three. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't like him. Uh, he's on his speech <laughs> day. Martin Jones is tanning the cheeks out there. You know, no. so Seattle Blue, a two-goal lead twice to go into overtime. Um, in overtime, they were able to... Uh, it looked like they got dominated in that over time. I'll be honest with you. And then shootouts are always tough, but they shouldn't have had to go to a shootout, you know? So it, it it's frustrating at the end of the day. I like to be, I like to try to be the optimist, right? Um, little O, uh, Omari Salisbury, O's son that I started the podcast with, said that I need to bring back the fire that I would have. I would get really fired up before the podcast episodes and be all pissed off. And then I'd be really common. We sit here and Oh, hello. I, I, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, we don't need to go through the photos again, 
because I, I did that and you can pause if you need to. But that's the issues that this team is dealing with. You know, I see in the comments, oh, the goalies suck. I wish they need better goaltenders. Trade Gubrauer. It's just like, that's just stupid. And I know there are some uh, Seattle sports things out here. We're going to go over time. I don't care. Um, they're like, oh, we got to be positive and all that. I get that. But at the end of the day, you're not here just to hear the stats, are you? You're here to hear about what's wrong with these teams. Why did the Seahawks lose by 14? You know, why are the Kraken? Have, why haven't they beat Vancouver um, in the t- entirety of their existence? It's only two years. I understand that. But, you know, this game, that that's just a wash. And that should send you into the Christmas break frustrated because, you know, if they had completed that win, that would be a three-game win streak going into the break uh, against all teams you haven't beaten before. You hadn't beaten the Jets before. They beat the Jets. Um, I forgot the score. That doesn't matter. Beat the Jets for the first time ever. Beat the Blues for the first time ever. And then it would have been Vancouver. It would have been great, right? Again, you put up five goals in this game. That's pretty damn solid. You didn't score in the shootout either, which isn't ideal because you've got a lot of guys who are pretty good at that as well. Um, it's just too often things like this happen. Things like that happen. Things like this. It's way too often. And I've had this discussion with several members of the Seattle media, with other people who actually know what they're talking about and don't just look at the box score. Because anybody can look at the box score, right? I could look at the box score and see the Seahawks lost 10 to 24 be like, wow, they kind of got smeared, right? They didn't have any fight in this, right? I could look at this six to five game and think there was no goaltending in this. That's not how you look at things. We're not box score people. I don't just look at the score at the end of the game. It's our job. It's why we're here, right? I don't send Bill out there to a Mariners game to just go and eat ice cream, which would be great. I'd love to do that, but (laughs) it's not why we're here, right? Um, So it's just really to, I mean, a week or two ago when uh, Jamie Alexiak and Justin Schultz were out, Alexiak uh, suspension, Schultz injured, and you had the deep pair of Kale Flurry and Gustav Olofsson, who Flurry is usually a healthy scratch. Olofsson's usually an AHL, which is hockey's version of AAA, right? You've got a line there, a defensive line that's like a defensive line, funny, uh, defensive pairing that's basically like I'm sending a couple amateurs out there in a way. I'm sending a couple guys out there to play um, really starting minutes. Um, but now you've got every deep pair healthy. So there's no excuse there. And these mistakes continue to happen. This is Vancouver. This is a division game. These division games are important. You're only a few points ahead of other teams like Calgary, like Edmonton, that you'll actually face this week. So got to win those. Um, point being, this can't continue to happen because your offense is far improved from what it was last year. Your goaltending has been pretty solid. Martin Jones had a streak where he was not doing really well. Um, he made some mistakes in the Vancouver game, but overall the last, uh, last few starts have been pretty solid. Um, Philip Grubauer since returning from injury that he suffered against Colorado um, has been great, like statistically great. I mean, there was the Florida Panthers game, which was an outlier. That was just really weird. There was penalty issues and officiating stuff. And, Point being, your goaltenders haven't been your issue at all. And I've normally been a Grubauer advocate, but even Jones, I wouldn't throw Jones under the bus here entirely. So it's just the fact entirely. That I have my issues with him. Um, but just, I mean, look at the four photos again. I can't blame him for any of this. You know, so it's it's there's the fact that this is like stuff that continues to happen. It's like. You know, they had issues in overtime earlier in the season, and they fixed that. And, well, it, mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, I don't think they've lost in overtime since then. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but, you know, it's it's just same with the C. This just goes exactly to what I talk about with seeing adjustments that need to be made and they're not being made. It's like if you keep trying to come in the door that says pull and you're pushing, you're going to stop. Right. And you're going to do the other thing. It's like if right. you just kept pulling, you're like, this isn't working. Why isn't it working? We know why it's not working. We know what the issue is. It needs to be fixed. And it's just not. And I don't know where that comes down to coaching. If it's a personnel issue, you know, we, we've still got a good amount of season to play. We play until about April or so, right? Maybe later granted playoffs, right? So there's, there's time for this to be fixed. But the fact that this has been an issue since day one for Seattle, like the defense, if we look at year to year with the Kraken, it's only two years. I get that. Year one, defense, horrible. Year two. Uh, year one, offense, also horrible. Year two, defense, still bad. Offense, good. You know, it's like something improved. And yes, you added Andre Burakovsky. Yes, you added, you know, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Maddie Beniers is Maddie Beniers and Wilma Calder. Mm-hmm. Um, your fourth line of Daniel Sprong, uh, Morgan Geek, and Ryan Donato. I mean, they're generally fourth line. I think Donato's actually been bumped up to the third line. They've all been playing like madmen, considering they're all on one-year deals. Um, it's all like prove it, right? And they're proving it. That's not the issue. The issue is, you know, Adam Larson and that top pairing of Larson and Dunn has been pretty solid, but too often do I see, and none of them, I say that they're solid. None of them are innocent of this. Like, I think in some of these, it's Larson. Who's the last guy. I can't see it on my thing too. I think that's Carson Susie right there. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't see it too well. The the Alexiak Schultz pairing right there. So, and I think I think Larson's in here. So I'm sorry, I can't see it blown up on my screen. But point being is this happens too often, right? And it just goes, like I was just saying, goes back to the Seahawks issues where we know the issues that are taking place. We know their run defense is bad. You know, um, it just hasn't been fixed. It's the same issue here. So that's where my frustration lies. I'm glad. Thank you to Emerald City Hockey for pointing those out and posting those because now I have proof. Like I'm not just spitballing and saying just like um, – blindly defending certain people right so i apologize if i got winded there but it's it's just the fact that it continues to happen again and again and again and again um you know it's like if if i'm gonna get better i have to adapt to things we have gotten better you know i used to record the podcast in here on my own since then normally not today we've got a studio recording and we've got high quality mics and we've got more segments to the show and we you know this this and this bell is here bell didn't use bell hasn't always been here right you improve you improve and you adjust not happening here with this seattle defense so i mean we could talk about the penalty kill struggle penalty kill has been all right uh, as of as of last few months the last month power play has been struggling i'm not as concerned about that as i am the defensive play that is my thing. I don't know if you want to add on to my angry mountain. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's and it's just nice for me to hear from your perspective what happened and what went wrong because I was actually on a flight out that day. Um, and so I was tuning into your Twitter updates and I thought at the beginning of the game that the Kraken had it in the bag with the lead that they created for themselves. And once again, another lead that they created for themselves. So as soon as my flight lands and I see the score and I see uh, that we lost, it was like, 
what the hell happened? So yeah, it's just nice to hear you tie it up in a bow and what was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. and it's it's just annoying that I have to continue to have the same conversation again and again because it's like, oh, what's I'll get that question, you know, whether it's from family or, you know, or I'll see what's the comments. Going on with the Kraken? Pretty much. <laughs> and it's like one, you could turn into circling sales sports on Converge Media every Monday at four o'clock. Or, <laughs> you know, it's like ah, yeah. So anyway, let's look at player of the week. I piggybacked off of your pick here for player of the week because just like you mentioned earlier, someone that fills the stat sheet, it's kind of hard to ignore that. So from our win and from his performance uh, from that win, Brandon Tanev was our agreed player here who had the one goal, two assists, three points, a four plus minus, four shots, three hits, and three blocks. So again, that was my logic, just like you specified earlier. Stuff the stat sheet. Yeah, and then with, with pretty much everywhere. With two games, two is kind of tough because it's like, I mean, Tanev over the two games had the most like sort of a cured uh, points in best plus minus. And that's why I went with him there. Um, it's like, yeah, two games is kind of hard, you know, with three, sometimes you can, if there's like a guy on yeah. a goal streak, like last week with Ryan Donato, stuff like that, two games is tough. So I can understand that, but anyway, we'll throw it to league news and two games against divisional opponents, as I mentioned, which, ooh. League news here on the 23rd, Alex Ovechkin is NHL's second all-time scorer. The great eight scores his 802nd to pass Gordie Howe, and now he sits only behind Wayne Gretzky's 894 goal record. Pretty big deal there. Um, we come back to our crack in here. They now sit at an 18-10-4 and four record. They are third in the Pacific with 40 points. And looking ahead, they will face... The December on December twenty eighth, they will face the Calgary Flames at seven p.m. and on the thirty thirtieth versus the Edmonton Oilers, another seven p.m. Puck, puck drop, and it looks like both of those are here at Climate Pledge. Yes, so good to get back home. Um, both of those. So the next three games are all nationally televised, so it won't be on Rude Sports. So plan accordingly. Um, we switch over to our old rain here and not the rain on news I would like to go over. Um, on the 20th of December, it was officially announced. There had been rumors about it in the few days beforehand, but it was officially sort of got the, well, over the last few days, we've got the official news. Assistant coach Sam Lady gets the head job at Houston. Uh, Lady is taking over as the Houston Dash's new head coach. He is their fourth head coach in club history. Lady has been with the rain since 2013 as an assistant coach, which included six games games as the interim head coach in 2021 when he went four and two after Fareed Bensidi. Um, how do I say this politely? I don't necessarily want to say it politely. Um, uh, let the door hit him on the way out. Um, Lady was also the interim head coach in 2022 for one game in which head coach Laura Harvey uh, had contracted COVID, which he won that game. So um, I'll speak on this really quickly just because rain stuff's more my spiel. Um, Lady is a excellent option for this. I mean, talked about since 2013. He's, I mean, if you just look at, I, I think a lot of the times the good indication of how people feel about some of these staff members is, you know, if the players say anything about it, right. And what they say, um, like if Megan Rapino has a long paragraph to talk about Sam lady, 
as 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 who Megan Rapino is, it's a big deal. And there was a whole video about it. I know. I believe all the OGs said something about it in Barnes, Fishlock, and Rapino. Um, Laura Harvey wished him well. Uh, Lady has actually followed us on Instagram, which is always nice. Thank you, Sam. Um, but it just the general idea i i had some people who actually said when lady took over as the assistant coach in 21 as the interim coach in 21 that he should just take the full job um which is like you know a lot of times like with nathaniel hackett and the broncos right now right and there's an interim guy and i'm sure they'll pick a new head coach in the offseason a lot of the time you just go straight to interim this would have been a case where we have a guy who was going to be the interim just step in right but it's good to see this. I mean, it, it's it's tough when you lose a quality staff member like this, right? Like when the Seahawks lost their defensive coordinators through the years in Gus Bradley and, uh, you know, shoot. Oh, my goodness. Gus Bradley. Um, point being, you know, you lose a good staff member. You'd like to see them go and succeed somewhere else. So ideally, I'd like to see Lady succeed. That Houston's got some talent on that roster. Um just don't succeed against us obviously uh houston i think actually was the first team to beat us beat the rain at lumen for the first time at home uh first home loss this past season i believe i could be wrong um the point being very deserving of this position sucks to lose someone of this caliber i'm interested to see if the assistant coach job is now someone from within right mm -hmm. or if someone from outside of the organization comes in to fill it um an option that some people have wanted, well, not necessarily an option, but a choice that some folks wanted was Bev Yanez, used to be with the club, but did join, I believe, in an assistant role. I want to say New York, New Jersey, but I believe that was a, a, a previous stop. And she's somewhere else in an assistant coach role. So it sucks. I doubt that she'll jump ship for this. Maybe she could, but um, very deserving of this visit. Not I, again with the rain being quiet over the off season. Technically, oh wait, well there was a freeze on NWSL transactions uh, during free agency because of the holidays, so that might have been lifted. But again, not the news I would have liked to go over. But it's, yeah. it's in terms of you know the grand scheme of things, it's 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 a deserving job and it's it's a good situation for Lady. So wishing him uh, the best down in Houston. We have some league news. That both relates to the league and the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, on December 22nd, there's another pay win for the U.S. Women's National Team. The Equal Pay for Team USA Act uh, was passed on Wednesday by the House. Endures all athletes representing the U.S. will be paid equally regardless of gender. So that's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. I know a few weeks ago we went over the fact that with the U.S. Men's National Team advancing to the knockout round in the World uh, Men's World Cup, that the U.S. men's national team would actually get a chunk of that because of a contract they signed over the past year. So good to see that. And just some league calendar reminders. Earlier today, I was getting a little bit antsy about the season. We still don't have any information about the uh, OL Reign schedule, but just some league calendar reminders. On the 12th of January is the NWSL draft in Philadelphia. Uh, the 23rd through the 6th, preseason camps will take place. March 25th is when the regular season begins. April is when the Challenge Cup begins. The 6th of September is Challenge Cup semifinals. The 9th is Challenge Cup final. October 22nd is NWSL quarterfinals. Excuse me. November 4th is NWSL semifinals. And the season wraps up on the 11th of November. Excuse me. 
with the NWSL champion. Don't know why I'm all burpy. NWSL championship. So January 12th, the draft. We'll probably find out more schedule news around then. I was talking with a friend of mine that uh, covers NWSL, and we'll have to look at when they announced the season last year. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Nancy, I want to add the schedule to our sheet. So, um, yeah, I would throw it over to you for something else, but no Sea Wolves, no Sea Dragons, no Supersonics, sad face. Um, and we go to Star of the Week. I'm, I'll just, just because it was relatively close to the rain segment, I'll finish off with Sam Lady. Yeah. Just basically the same. I mean, you see him here in the old Seattle rain uh, shirt and the logo in Memorial Stadium. Talk about nostalgia. Um, again, it's just a really deserving sort of. Uh, opportunity and upgrade and essentially a promotion uh, for Sam, a guy that, again, when you see that a bunch of these players are saying what they are about him, it just kind of tells you the person that he was, The you, you talk about the record um, with Fareed Bensidi. There will be more information about, about uh, why Bensidi left. Um, there was just some stuff he made. There were comments apparently that he made about diet and about saying it just like saying commenting on uh, you know these athletes and their body you know it just it's like i was i remember i was at a mariners game when the news happened because the news happened like an hour before the rain i think they the rain were actually playing houston um and it was like what happened you know and then uh with the nwsl investigations taking place you kind of hear more and more about it and it's like oh he was just a total a bad word um so just great to see someone like Lady who, you know, at least if we're looking at the interim stuff and the staff he's been a part of, someone that's qualified and someone that seems ready for this job, it's great to see him get that job. So my hat goes off to Sam Lady. You went with Martin Jones. I'm intrigued to say this. I know I said bad things about Martin. So um, why did you go with Martin Jones? Um, so prior to knowing what the reasons to the loss on um, against the Canucks, I just I remembered what you said about our defense just not being up to par. And so I thought that per the stat sheet and then per just like his save attempts and how many he actually saved, he did OK. And I didn't think that although it's easy to like you said before to point the finger at our goalkeepers. I just don't think that's the right way to go in scenarios. So I did go with Martin Jones because against the Blues out of um, 24 save attempts, he successfully saved 22 uh, with a 917 save percentage. And while the Knicks game wasn't so great, and after seeing that picture of him laid out on (laughs) the whale there, he did have more attempts um, to try to save there. So out of 37, he did save 32 and had an 865 save percentage, which is still, I think, okay. And yeah, I just, I want to cut these guys some slack. Like you said, I don't, it's easy to point the finger and I just don't think that they deserve all of the hate that they receive sometimes when our Kraken games don't go as we want. Yeah. And, you know, again, I just talk about how player sort of reactions are always, because again, the players are the ones who are in, these locker rooms who are playing the game that we're you and I are sitting here talking about, right? Vince Dunn yeah. uh, had a comment in the off season. I believe it was about how goaltending, you know, as a goaltender, you're going to get blamed for everything and how that's not fair. That was kind of the gist of it. It wasn't word for word, but it was like, 
if he's saying that and he's a defenseman, he's the one that's trying to like the next line of defense. Mm-hmm. I'll take his advice or, or his words for it. So uh, it makes sense that, you know, with bell back and more discussion happening that we went a little bit over time. Um, but it's, it's, it's good to have bell back bottom of the line. I mean, we've had comments about it before where people don't like seeing my face and they prefer to see Bell's oh, face. No. Um, but you know, we, we look at good amount of stuff, even though it was only a few primary teams that we looked at here. Uh, well, few teams primarily, that's a better wording for it. Our Seahawks have to basically win their next two games and get some help on the outside. And that starts uh, to make the playoffs. And that starts this upcoming week on the first versus the jets at home, tough jets defense, Who knows what Mike White will do in that offense. Uh, The Mariners' free agency continues to roll on. We might see some more stuff as the uh, holidays have now sort of, we're getting to the end of the holidays. We're sort of pushing into the new year. Uh, The Storm, I'd like to get some new stuff, but the Storm Overseas website does not get updated. So can't do much there. The Sounders have their 2023 schedule and the draft has concluded there. So we've got some new Sounders to welcome in and some uh, dates to circle for the regular season. The Kraken, two important games um, against divisional rivals that are kind of approaching you in terms of the points uh, standings. The old rain lose an important member of their staff in Sam lady. And we'll see if they do anything in free agency as the off season rumbles on the sea wolves as well. Maybe they do more as they made a bunch mm-hmm. of moves this off season um, with the suspensions of play for uh, Austin and LA the sea dragons. Uh, we're still waiting on kind of, I, I'd like to know more news about them. I'd like to supersonics same there. So until we see you next week, we'll be in January. We will be in 2023. It's kind of wild to think that again, we talked about it. I think last week that is it a Grinch sock. It's a stocking. Did I just <laughs> notice that now? Um, until we see you uh, in January, um, talked about it last week. But again, I, 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 I don't know you. Well, you edited it, so you saw it. Yeah, I'm gonna go sing, sing single here. Sorry, Bill. Um, there is nobody doing what we do here. You can see the old logo. We've got the old CSS logo backdrop here. Nobody doing. I look into the camera. Nobody doing what we do. There's no, we don't just sit here and retweet things on Twitter from the official accounts. That's not news. That's not coverage. We don't sit here and just talk about the positives. We could do that, but that's not real analysis. Bell and I are, we look at ALDS. I see my ALDS credential right over there. Mm-hmm. Who was there for that on the ground? We were. Who was there throughout the course of the season? Some of those nights pretty long. Some of those nights tougher than others. Some of them colder than others. CSS was, whether it's, you know, Bell talked about, well, I don't think it was on the air, um, going to two games in one day, having different personnel at different games at the same time, you know, covering games, even though we're not at them. No one else. There's nobody, you know, and we might not, we don't do follow for follow. You know, we don't have the big KGR, change our name to Seattle Sports and not actually cover Seattle Sports, whether it's covering the rain and the storm as equally as we do the men's teams covering UW men's and women's hockey, getting back to UW coverage in the 2023 year. Nobody does what we do. And we might be a small outlet, but that's going to continue to change. We've got a lot of great people behind us, and I appreciate that. And I'm excited to see what we do this upcoming year. But I'm just telling you, even right now, nobody provides the coverage that we do. So enough talking of the bad words. Uh, Until we see you in January, which is... 
I'm getting old, man. All my hair's <laughs> gone. Oh, it's been gone already. Um, till we see in January, uh, Charles Hamaker and Bell Garcia circling Salesforce on Converge Media. I know we had the ice storm on Friday, uh, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen again. Take care of yourselves. Be well and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.